to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris. It's great to have you watching today. Super excited about today's program. Got an amazing guest in store for you today. So you might want to push the record button on this or whatever you do and uh, let your friends and family know about this program. I'm going to introduce our guest in just a second here. Uh, Before I do that, I wanted to give you just a little bit of information about what's going on here at Andrew Womack Ministries. So coming up right around the corner, November 2nd through the 4th. I can't believe I'm saying it's November right around the corner, but it is. Uh, The annual Women Arise Conference is going to be taking place here at the campus of Karis Bible College. Uh, It's going to be uh, have Carrie Pickett, Audrey Mack, and Elizabeth Murin are going to be the featured speakers. So uh, guys, this is not for you. This one is just for the ladies. So send your wife, uh, send your daughters to this event. It's going to be awesome. They're going to get inspired and and uh, uh, refired, built up. It's going to be awesome. So register for that, ladies, on awmi.net. It's a free event, and you will be blessed. I promise you that. Also, November 9th through the 11th in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, or in the Atlanta area at the Gas South Convention Center, Andrew Womack and uh, Greg Fritz, who's an amazing Bible teacher, are going to be ministering at Andrew's annual Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference. So again, those dates are November 9th through the 11th. And you can register for that also on awmi.net. Hey, listen today, if you are uh, watching uh, on any platform other than our website, I encourage you to jump over and watch right on our website at truthandliberty.net. That's your best viewing experience. And while you're there, you need to check out our resources page here on Truth and Liberty. Uh, You may not know this, but we have a whole page devoted uh, solely to resources for pastors, how pastors can get their flocks equipped, how they can get equipped uh, to stand up for truth in our culture today. And how many of you know that we desperately need pastors to do that? So tell your pastor all about it. All he's got to go do is go to truthandliberty.net resources and find the pastor's page. And I believe he will be blessed uh, when he does that. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Our guest, I'm super excited, is Coach Joe Kennedy. And uh, if you don't know who Joe is, let me just tell you, he, we owe this brother, every single American, every single Christian owes him a debt of gratitude because of what he's done. Uh, You're going to hear all about his story today, but Coach was the assistant uh, varsity football coach at Bremerton High School in Bremerton School District in the state of Washington. And he was so bold to go out on the middle of the field and actually pray to God. And when he did, that um, the forces of the enemy were unleashed upon him. He ended up losing his job and fought uh, for his freedom and for all of our freedom all the way to the United States Supreme Court twice and ultimately won the victory. And we're going to talk all about it today. So coach, it's so awesome to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. You guys are such a blessing. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. I know that you actually, I can see it behind you, USMC. You're a Marine Corps veteran. How long did you serve, brother? 
No, I retired in 2006. So, uh, yeah, I started out uh, two years in the Army and while I was in high school and finished out the rest of my career in the Marine Corps, so 18 years in the Marines. Wow, and then retired, and then uh, after that, you you decided you wanted to go coach football, I guess. Or how did you become end up becoming a high school football coach? Yeah, that was not my choosing. I, matter of fact, when I while I was in the Marine Corps, I was actually an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I thought that was a wonderful fairy tale. It wasn't until I was retiring and I hooked up with my childhood sweetheart, and she grew up in the church, and so we were. Uh, unequally yoked, I guess you call it, and mm. things were not working out. And I was fighting as hard as I could to to uh, figure out how to be a good husband and a, a good father, and I was failing, failing miserably. Ended up going to church, and then when I submitted myself fully to God, he, he took it from there and said, hey, I want you to be a high school football coach. And I was like, oh, great. That's a great sense of humor. Sure, pal. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Wow, how about that? Isn't that amazing? So I did have a, I did want to ask you, Coach, about your testimony, your salvation experience. Can you just share any more about that? How how did you come to Christ exactly? And how does a lifelong atheist come to know Jesus? Well, when I was a kid, I went to a, a boys' home. I grew up in a Catholic church, and then I was in and out of group homes and foster homes. And one of the boys' home was a Christian boys' home, and those people just uh you know, we're out there being the light and, and sharing the seeds and we're landing on this hard, rocky ground and they went just uh, dormant for years. Mm. And when I met up with my wife, uh, you know, gosh, this is 31 years later, I proposed to her when we were nine years old. And so I've been in love with her my whole entire life. <laughs> when you were nine years old, that's what, like third grade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so finally, uh, I wore her down after 31 years and <laughs> we got married and she she went through a lot of abuse when she was a kid and in her marriages. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. I already ruined two other marriages. I was a terrible dad to my son because the Marine Corps came first before anything. And I really wanted this to be my, my last love. She was Denise was my first love and I wanted her to be my last love and I wanted to do this right. And I was failing miserably. And I ended up going to church with her reluctantly. And after a big fight on the way to church, I went in and I knew I was losing her. And I ended up walking up to the altar and falling on my knees and completely wow. submitting to God. And I said, God, if you give me my wife, I will give you my life. And he took me up on it and uh, yeah, kind of wow. turned my life sideways after that. Wow, praise God, that is so awesome. And so, um... You guys, uh, yeah, uh, then it was, I think your bio said you started coaching in just a couple years later, like right at 2008 yeah. at the high school. Right. I started uh, um, just not even wanting to do anything. I thought I was going to be retired and I was out on a run and I was wearing a Bremerton uh, football shirt and a pair of uh, wrestling shoes and the athletic director from Bremerton School District saw me running by the high school and struck up a conversation and it was all his idea. God said, hey, you need to go talk to this guy. He found out I was a Marine and he said, man, we need some coaches and people that can teach leadership and discipline and team building for our, our football program. 
And he pursued me for, yeah, just about a year and a half, almost two years before I finally agreed to go to uh, an interview. And he bugged my wife because my wife worked for the school district. So I was getting it from both sides all the time. Oh, I got you. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. And so um, you were hired on uh, and how long did you uh, serve there? Um, before you decided to, you know, begin going out on the field and praying? Well, it is actually from the very beginning. After I went to the interview on a Friday afternoon, I said, give me the weekend to think about it. And, and there was a lot to think about. I had two kids in the high school. We had one in the middle school. And again, my wife did work for the school district. So I wasn't sure I really wanted to do this, but I agreed to go to the interview and they offered it to me. Over that weekend, I don't know if you've seen it, Facing the Giants, and that movie came on in the middle of the night, and I don't know, God really spoke through those Kendrick brothers and just reached through that TV and just grabbed my heart, and it was for the first time in my entire life I've ever heard what my actual calling was, and it seemed like I had a, a, a purpose now. So on my living room floor, I said, God, just like in the movie, I said, God, I will give you the glory after every game, win or lose. And I heard him calling me to, to coach these young men. And that's what I did every Friday night and every Monday after uh, football games. Wow, that is awesome. And so you uh, you decided you were going to go out actually on the on the field after the games and thank the Lord for uh, what he was doing in those young men's lives, I guess, and for using you? Or what were you, what was your thought process about why you wanted to go out on the field like that? Originally, it was just to give him thanks and, and praise. And I, I'm not great at, at prayers. I, my, my prayers are pretty simple. And I was like, God, thank you for these guys. Thank you for letting me be part of their lives. And when the kids started coming out, then it, it kind of advanced a little bit and turned into a real motivational thing that I was just thanking God for exactly what they did on the football field and the battle they just fought. And it was an awesome moment for everybody. And we did this for eight years and never had a single problem. Wow. So the, the student athletes came on the, when they realized what you were doing, they started joining you, right? Yeah, they asked me if they could join, and I said, this is America. <laughs> it's a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. And yeah, at least you thought out. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. So they started coming out, and and uh, depending if it was a win or a loss, you never know. Kids are kind of fickle. You know, if you lose by sixty points, of course they didn't want to be thankful for anything. They just wanted to go home and and boohoo for a little while. But uh, same thing if we won by sixty points, they just wanted to celebrate and forgot about what was going on. But I was dead fast in what I did, and and to give thanks after every game every game. And so you, you did this for eight years and there were no, no complaints, right? Nope. I did have a couple uh, parents uh, question me on it. If they asked if it was mandatory. Now, keep in mind, this is a small community. I went to high school with these kids, with these people, their kids grew up with my kids. And so, I mean, we were really tight knit and we had that kind of uh, communication. They would ask me questions and I was so open with the parents that of course it was never mandatory. If they wanted to come out, great. If they didn't, great. Nobody cared either way. And they did, they just wanted to be assured that they weren't being forced or trying to be enticed or whatever words people want to use. And I was like, of course not. That's that's never been the case. And they fully understand understood that because they knew who I was and what I was doing. So it was never a problem. 
So when you when you did this, Coach, uh, when you went out to pray, were you praying? I'm just curious. Were you praying silently? Uh, were you shouting for everybody to hear you? What what was this like? When when I first started, it was just me taking a knee silently by myself. And when my my players saw me after about six months, it was funny. They they said, Coach, what are you doing out there? Because they had no idea. One of my fellow coaches thought I was out there taking grass samples or something. They had no idea what I was doing. Checking the sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it was it was just fascinating to see how that it, it grew from there. And uh, so we were sitting there when they started joining me. We all kind of sat there in, in quiet while we all prayed. And then they were all looking at each other. And we were like, uh, are we done? I don't know. So wow. they said, Coach, would you lead us in this? And I thought, well, yeah, okay. And I mean, we took turns, but after the team started going, then it was just myself uh, lifting those guys up and giving thanks. Yeah. And I would hold up, oh, I would hold up a, a helmet. And at first, I'd hold up one of the helmets and, you know, thank God. And then when they started inviting the other team to go, then I'd hold both helmets up and I would lift both teams up uh, and be thankful for both of them. Okay, so the uh, so players from the other team would come and join you too. Yeah, the, the, I had a couple of my uh, team captains uh, because this is a small community. They went to play, they played peewees together. They grew up together, and you know, once they get up to high school, they kind of go their separate ways. But they still remain friends, and they wanted to know if they could invite their friends out there. And again, free. It, this is a free country, and it's it's their team. They could do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, what about your head coach? I was wondering that too. Uh, did he ever say anything? Was he concerned about this or anything? Well, when things first uh, started happening, uh, every one of the coaches have, have prayed at a different time, um, you know, either before or after a game. And it was really no big deal. Uh, it, they felt more comfortable with me because uh, it was something that I just normally did. And uh, we did joke around that someday somebody's going to say something about it. And I was like, hey, this is protected under the First Amendment. So, yeah, people could complain all they want. I'm not worried in the slightest bit. And what were they going to do to me? I, I mean, I'm a Marine. I, I serve my country. I, I was very confident and we were standing up for the right thing at that time. Yeah, fantastic. And so uh, but eventually someone did say something and uh, tell us what happened then. Yeah, of all the crazy things, uh, we were, we just played a game and one of the uh, um, administrators from another school district uh, came out and saw our football program and what we were doing where both teams came out after we lost the game, we, a great football game, and, but we ended up losing. And they just thought it was awesome that we would still get together with the other team and have that moment of thanks and, and see that sportsmanship. So the, the guy felt like he need, he was compelled to call the principal of the high school. He called him and said, hey, I just want to tell you, I went to my first football game and I've never seen anything like this before. You know, I didn't about prayer, but I want to tell you what your football program is doing is really awesome. So all of this stemmed from uh, actual compliment. And then they started an investigation to make sure that we were doing the right things. Wow. So it wasn't I thought it was a complaint by administrators. It was actually someone calling your principal to brag on you guys. And it turns into an investigation. Uh, so. Right. Wow. That's yeah. Amazing. And it's, 
It, yeah, it, it was really weird how that started because out of a compliment, the, the principal wanted to make sure that we were following the school's policy, which is really simple and it's the same as all all schools in Washington State, you cannot encourage nor discourage kids in prayer. And he wanted to make sure we were following that guidance. It was their lawyers that had a little bit more problem with it after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, folks, if you're watching today uh, on our show, this is Coach Joe Kennedy, my special guest. Um, Coach Joe, you're, you're hearing his story about how he stood for uh, religious freedom for himself and for all of us. And all he was doing was praying after football games, uh, voluntary on his part and voluntary for all the students. We're going to finish his story, but I just wanted to remind you guys that this is the live calling show. If you have questions for Coach Joe or for me, please feel free uh, to call our number today. The phone lines are open at 719-619-2341. It can be about what Coach Joe has gone through through or about any Bible question, whatever you have, we'd love to hear from you today. All right. Well, coach, so the school administration decided it needed to investigate to make sure um, you weren't holding anybody down and forcing them to pray. So uh, what happened during that investigation? Well, they couldn't find a single person that felt um, uh, compelled or forced to do this. And so but they gave me a letter of direction and it said that I could pray as long as um, I'm on duty, as long as it doesn't interfere with my coaching duties and abided by the school district's uh, policy, which was not a problem at all. It was, it was after that, then of course it made the news and things kind of really went sideways from there. It went viral overnight and before any of us could react to it, it was a, a nationwide story about, um, you know, them questioning my prayer. And I thought I was being fired at the beginning because they were doing the investigation, which turned really ugly. And they're, so they gave me a second letter of direction and said, just stop praying with your football team. And that should suffice, wow. which was, I, I said, that's unfortunate. You know, I mean, it was something really cool and that we got a compliment from this and, you know, this sportsmanship and, and giving thanks after a football game is nothing new. So I, I said, well, it's your school, your rules. Fine. I'll abide by that. So I didn't have a problem with it. I stopped praying with my football team. I never prayed with them again afterwards, but the opposing team came out and joined me in the prayer. And then the school was a little worried, like, what do we do now at this point? And yeah, they had to take it to the next step. So you, you kept praying, uh, but your, oh, yeah. your team ha had to stay, uh, couldn't join you, but the other side started joining you. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's goodness. correct. When, yeah, after I told my team, because you have to draw that really fine line because I cannot discourage them from coming out in prayer. And I said, guys, this is the situation. I, I would like to pray by myself. I plan on, on doing the prayer while you guys are doing the, the school fight song after the game. And they all understood that they wanted to join me, but they understood that were the position I was in. The other school was from halfway across the state, um, Centralia High School. And everybody showed up for that and wanted to join us in the prayer. So I was completely surrounded by all the faculty and all the football players of, of Centralia High School. Wow. Now, did, had they heard about your controversy? Were they doing this to support you or? Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's so, exactly it. 
Yeah. Well, that's quite a picture in my head here. Your players are over here, not able to participate, and this other school's coming behind you. It just kind of uh, highlighted, really. You know, did you ever get the feeling, Coach, that um, God had orchestrated all this from the beginning? Well, I thought he was, I, I knew he was involved because he put me there on the football field, and I was really questioning, am I doing the right thing? Now, my wife was very sure that I was not doing the right thing. She and I had um, some intense fellowship over this. <laughs> and we we actually almost got divorced over this whole entire thing because it, I mean, it just kept getting uglier and uglier. And I told you that she was uh, working at the school district. I, I didn't mention that she was the HR director for the school district at the time. Oh. So you can imagine what this put her through. Oh, I can imagine that that must have been she's stuck in the middle and yes. uh, that must have been really, really intense. Wow. Yeah, it was hard for her because she felt like uh, she was a bad Christian because she was mad at God. She thought she was a bad wife because she was mad at me. And she thought she was a horrible person because she couldn't even do her job right. And mm -hmm. it, it put her in just a real bind. So. God, uh, God's got a weird sense of humor in the way he does things. I, and we didn't appreciate it at the time of, of when this was going on. So, um, okay, so uh, what happened after this other school uh, came out to the field and started praying with you? Well, the school district didn't know what to do. Then they ended up giving me a third letter of direction. And they said that I needed to stop all my prayers um, and and I was like, well, what do you mean stop my prayers? And they said, you need to stop praying where people can see you. And that's that was the line too far. And so they gave me a letter of direction that said that I was gonna be put on suspension um, if I continue with my prayers and that, um, how, how'd they put it? If I, I was gonna be on suspension until uh, uh, I agreed with or followed the school district policies, which I was in a rock and a hard place. There's, I had to choose between my job and my faith, and that was that. That's where I had to draw the line and stand up for what I believe to be the right thing in the First Amendment. And and so, did you? You probably told them that. And what happened after that? So I went out there, and of course, they videotaped it to make sure you know that they had their evidence against me. And and I went out after the game. My team was doing the fight song. I went out, took a knee by myself. Thank God for about 20 seconds, if that. And then right after that game, they gave me uh, um, my suspension and I was uh, banned from my football team until I complied with the school district. Okay, and so you've been, you've been suspended. And um, did you, is that when you reached out to uh, Kelly Shackelford and his team or how did that come about? Yeah, so a friend of a friend, which is really interesting. You know, God lo really loves to use these coincidences. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the attorneys that played football at Bremerton was a friend of mine who I coached with, and he saw what was going on. So he called me up and said, hey, I'm a friend of, of Mike's. Where I, I, I'm a lawyer. I understand going through some rough stuff. He said, I, I actually and am at a um, law conference with this this group uh, first liberty that all they do is religious liberty and i said well yeah sure give him my number well he just happened to be sitting right next to them so he handed me the phone 
And we thought we, they really thought we could settle this just with a letter. We wanted to sit down to the, my lawyers, they drafted a letter, gave it to the school district's lawyers and said, hey, can we sit down and discuss this and come to some kind of mutual understanding on this so we don't have to proceed with any kind of legal actions? Because to us, it was just a huge misunderstanding. And if they knew what the law was and what the First Amendment said, that they would be complying with it. But mm. the school district refused to meet with them. I had a no contact order to the school district and all my friends that worked at the school district. And we had no choice but to take it up and try to get an injunction, an emergency injunction to get me back on the football field until we could work it out with the courts. So what's this no contact order? Uh, the school had said you can't communicate with the staff or anything like that? Yeah, with anybody at the school district, which was so, so sad. These people are my friends. Uh, the superintendent and, and you know, the coaching staff, we would do holiday parties together. I mean, we've been friends for, you know, a decade. And it was it was horrible to know that I couldn't even go in and talk to them without uh, lawyers being present. And it, it seemed like it was very unfair to me and to the school district, the way that the district's lawyers were handling it, because it kind of really... Uh, hogtied both of us and no, neither one of us can move forward with each other. Yeah. And what about your wife again? I mean, she's she's working for the district. I suppose you could talk to her, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. 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 I tried to talk to her, which wasn't really uh, <laughs> happening not at easy. first. And, yeah. But wow, that's heavy handed. And so um, uh, so you're you're under this no contact order and your lawyers, Kelly Shackelford's group at, at First Liberty, they, they reach out to the school district and say, hey, let's see if we can work through this. And they get, um, um, uh, uh, what, a firm no. Uh, we're, not, we're not interested in talking. It's our way or the highway. Um, what yeah. happens after that? Well, you know, they even took it a step further. They said, we, we're not gonna talk to you even though you're lawyers because none of you are barred in the state of Washington, which I thought that was, uh, you know, really trivial. So we had two attorneys uh, that that jumped on that were local attorneys and they jumped on the case to represent us in the state of Washington. And so we took it to court. We followed the EEOC, um, the complaint, uh, hoping that we could get the process started for the preliminary or to get an injunction put in so I could get back onto the football field. Uh, we're in the middle of our football season. Looked like we were going to make it to the playoffs. And only thing I wanted to do is hang out the rest of the year with my team and, and you know, coach them and, and see them to victory. And I was on the sidelines for the rest of the school year, and I had to sit in the stands and at the rest of the games without ever stepping on the football field or, or going near any of the players. Wow. And so... Um, you, you guys went to court, uh, I suppose, right? Uh, they filed a lawsuit for you. And uh, I understood that you lost at the district level and then you lost on appeal. And then you went to the Supreme Court. And what happened there the first time? Yeah, well, the district court, uh, uh, I thought we were going to win that one right out. Uh, the judge said that he prayed with his team when he played sports. His dad prayed with his team when he coached. And I thought this was a slam dunk. I thought, man, we are going to score a touchdown right here, and we're gonna, I'm going to be back on the football field. Yeah, then he, then, then he gave me the, however, due to the political climate, he could not grant the injunction. And I was floored that a sitting judge is afraid politically over what was right and by the facts of the case. So that's when we had to take it to the Ninth Circuit, who 
they took it up a level and said any uh, demonstration of faith on in the public square, you could be fired. That's why we had to take it to the Supreme Court and had to keep appealing it. Wow, that's incredible, Joe. So the district judge actually used those words due to the political climate? Yeah. Man, wow. That's pretty sad. That's huh? amazing. No, judges are supposed to be above politics, I thought. So that's really interesting. I thought so, too. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, we're here on the Truth and Liberty live call-in show with... Um, Coach Joe Kennedy, uh, former assistant uh, coach at the Bremerton High School uh, uh, in Bremerton, Washington. I, I hope I'm getting the city right. And uh, he's telling us his story of how he stood for religious freedom uh, in his position there. And uh, we're, we're uh, just fascinated by what he's saying. And I just want to remind you guys that if you've got questions or want to talk to Coach Joe, uh, please feel free to call in. The number is 719-619-2341. And uh, we are up on a break now. We want to share some important information with you. And so uh, we'll take this break now and be back in about 90 seconds. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hello, everybody. We're back here on the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and my really special guest today is Coach Joe Kennedy uh, from the Bremerton School District. And uh, we've been talking about his story there, his stand for faith and freedom. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that Coach has actually written a book telling his story. And uh, Coach, why don't you tell us about that and how people can get a copy of that? Yeah, well, we wanted to make sure that we told the whole story. There's so many nuances to to it, and it goes from even before I was born. It talks about uh, being an unwanted pregnancy all the way through me growing up in, in uh, group homes and foster homes, and really the tough life that my wife and I lived, but how we kept intersecting with each other and how God brought us together. So it explains my first love uh, of my wife, it, my second love, which was serving my country, and then the third one of, of me finding the Lord and really just living for Him. So it'll make you cry, it'll make you laugh, it'll make you really mad, and hopefully it will really inspire some people and, and mm -hmm. really open their eyes to what's going on in America and want more people to be able to stand up and feel empowered. If God could use me like this, imagine what He could do with everybody. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That is awesome. Uh, CoachJoeKennedy.com is where you can learn more about the book. And, and uh, can people buy it there too, Coach, or do they need to go yes, somewhere we else? Have, yeah, we have links there. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any place that books are sold. It comes out tomorrow in all the bookstores. And it will be interesting to see where God takes us. I, I know we had millions and millions of Americans praying for us, and and there's so many Americans out there that are just hungry for for uh, justice and standing up for um, what America stands for. So hopefully this will help them out. And they're the ones that got me here, so they could take the credit and saying, "Hey, I was part of this story." Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, wishing you the best of success on that book. Have you had any movie offers yet? Uh, yeah, actually, we're doing them. <laughs> we we awesome. started filming uh, three weeks ago. Um, the guys Praise that God. did uh, God's Not Dead, uh, they just okay. started filming three weeks ago. And yeah, another another original uh, film called Average Joe. So yeah, that's pretty much the story of my life. I feel like I'm, I'm a little actually below average, but God could use oh, somebody no. like me to do this. <laughs> no, well, you know, the, 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 the Bible talks about how that... Uh, uh, there are not many wise, there are not many noble, uh, and so forth among, uh, among you, uh, but God takes pleasure in using the weak to confound the wise. And, uh, you know, it was your faith, brother. It was your, your commitment, your unwavering commitment to do what you felt like God wanted you to do, and that's what He's used. That's the most powerful thing. So, but let's get back to your story. Uh, so you, you, the Ninth Circuit says any any prayer in the public square, the school can ban. And uh, you guys knew that this could not be right. This is the United States of America. And you pushed your fight all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. So what happened after that? Yeah, so it went to the Supreme Court and they, they declined it the first time because it was, we put it in as an injunction to get me back on the football field. And they didn't have all the facts of the case and they only rule on constitutional things and they didn't have all the facts to rule constitutionally. So they sent it all the way back down to the district court. But the great thing about it is they said, we're very concerned if this holds up in what the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals if that stands the way that they have currently written in it, we're very concerned. So we need to take a look at that in the free exercise and free speech clauses of the Constitution. So they really gave us a roadmap of what we needed to find out and answer those questions. And we we did that. We did the depositions with everybody at the school, um, players, with uh all the coaches, um, everybody, and uh, we took those facts back through the court systems, and it uh, we lost again at the district. The guy just punted. He didn't even want to take it on. He said, I'm the lowest rung on this ladder, and he said, I'm not going to make a ruling, which went to the Ninth Circuit. Then the Ninth Circuit, they doubled down on it, where they could have corrected their speech. They didn't. They doubled down on it. And not only did they say that I was a bad person and a bad coach and a bad example for all these kids, I also was a bad Christian in that the wow. way that they understand the Bible is that you're supposed to pray in this way. And so they, they quoted the Bible in it and saying that I was even praying wrong. So this came from a sitting judge, which hurt. And it was frustrating that a judge could tell you how to pray. But, you know, somehow if I pray by myself, it, it, that's illegal. 
And that was the gift. That was the gift from God that uh, the Supreme Court took it and said, you know, this is not right. This is not based on facts or the Constitution. So they took the case. Wow. So the so the coach and then or the, excuse me, not the coach, the judge in the Ninth Circuit actually said that you were a bad coach and you were a bad person and was criticizing you personally. Oh, yeah, it was very personal. The first time we met the guy, he was a Reagan appointee. And I thought, well, we're going to have a friendly guy on, on the court. No, he used to be a, um, a attorney for school districts. So he had an axe to grind against people like me. And I thought it was a conflict of interest. But what do I know? I'm not a lawyer. And yeah, he 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 was not a fan of mine, let me tell you. Wow. OK, so this is now round two and you're all the way back up through the Court of Appeals and going to the U.S. Supreme Court the second time. Right. And so, uh, yeah. We got the date and it was just post COVID and uh, there, they had a whole bunch of really weird rules in place. Only two attorneys for both sides can actually go into the Supreme Court. So I didn't even get to attend my own trial, but they did let all the press in, which I found kind of interesting that the press could go in there, but I could not. So we sat across the street and listened to it live and listened to our lawyers uh, present their case um, before the Supreme Court. And how did that how did that go that day? That must have been quite a moment for you. It was, and uh, a lot of it I didn't understand. A lot of legal mumbo jumbo. Um, I, I was very frustrated that the school districts stole their lawyers stole. Um, they're being represented by the Freedom from Religious Foundation and all these other hate groups. I, I thought, you know, I thought they were supposed to be impartial in this, but they picked somebody who had an agenda to help uh, represent them. And uh, man, we, we, we just had, we had the law and we had uh, facts on our side and they were saying things uh, like the picture I, I told you that they took of, of me with the football team. And they said, look, he, after we told him to stop praying, look, here he is praying with the football team again. And I'm sitting there going, that's not even my football team. There's nobody from <laughs> Bremerton in that picture. How can this go to the Supreme Court and be presented as, as a fact and as evidence if it's not even true. So it kind of comical to me that it went that far and it's still in the history books as being not even my football team there. Wow, well, that's amazing. And so uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, ultimately ruled in your favor. And uh, it, the, uh, the decision, as I understand it, um, was really a groundbreaking and landmark case. Uh, that has restored a massive amount of, of freedom and liberty uh, to Americans that, in my humble opinion, Joe, never should have been taken away. Um, and uh, I've, I've talked to several lawyers about the decision. I'm an attorney myself. I think it was a fantastic development for the United States as a whole. What, do you, what can you tell us about the opinion itself? I, I know you're not a lawyer, but once you got that opinion and that ruling, I'm sure your lawyers have explained it to you. How did you feel? I, I felt very relieved that actually somebody looked at the facts of the case and actually bounced it off of the Constitution, and nobody did that before. And I was like, thank God that somebody actually, there's something in our, in our justice system that is true and something we could actually believe in. 
And it mm-hmm. kind of restored my hope for America that there are some good judges out there and they still rule on the, the, the law and the Constitution. The thing that really stuck out to me was when they wrote that uh, the, the First Amendment is not designed to be in conflict with each other, with the freedom of speech and the freedom of free exercise. Those are in, to work in conjunction. And that's been the problem and the rub for the past 50 years is that they had that old case lemon that was there. And that's what held up everything for the past 50 years. When they started taking God out of the schools, and the public square, you can see what happened to society. And this is the one that brought it all back in and kind of reset the clock. And it, it I don't think it really did anything crazy, but it just set things back to the way it was originally designed by our, our founding fathers in the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And so um, some lawyers are wondering and thinking, I know there's actually many who looking at the court's decision in your case, Coach, are saying the pathway is now open to um, revisit, if you will, the question of whether students can voluntarily pray in school, not just on the football field after, afterwards, but why can't they pray voluntarily in class? Uh, if we set aside that, we don't force them to pray, um, uh, and, and a student leads it. Have you, have you heard people saying the same thing? I have, and that's that's something that's given me some great hope for America. And, you know, maybe I'll be a little bit, um, oh, I don't know what the right word is, um, selfish in that. But I really believe that all Americans should be free to, to um, practice their faith in any way that they want. And a school district or any public employee, any anybody should be able to exercise their rights. Nobody should be having to choose between the two and given... Uh, ultimatum that you cannot do this. And if they wanted to do it, I, I recommended why not just do it as a moment of silence and let people worship as they see fit. And that way it opens it up to everybody. If somebody wants to draw unicorns and butterflies or wants to talk to Allah, they could do whatever they want to do. It, they should just be given the opportunity instead of it being taken away from them. Yeah, and I remember the Supreme Court case that held that even a moment of silence is unconstitutional because a student might pray. They might think you want them to pray, and we can't have that in America. So, uh, you know, it's so crazy and extreme, and I, uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it is kind of ridiculous. And so I'm so <laughs> thankful for the result in your, in your case. Joe, I want to just uh, take a break here and start taking some calls. We've got some calls sure. coming in on the line, and I think this would be a good time to do that. So I'd like to go to Kimberly, who's from Colorado. Uh, she's on line one. Kimberly, thank you so much for calling in. What's your question today for Coach Joe? Um, hi. Uh, yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you great. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, so Coach Joe, um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, you know, standing for Christ and uh, just standing up for our First Amendment rights. Uh, it, it takes uh, quite a person to do that uh, in this day and age. Um, but, and my question thank is, you. so when you, when this all occurred and then afterwards, did you have the agreement of the students uh, and like the support of them behind you going through all these uh, court cases? Uh, and and um, if so, like what what were some of the things that they were trying to do to uh, support you? Did they continue praying themselves afterwards, just like as the team? Um, and what kind of advice would you give for other people trying to enact this on their fields uh, and as coaches? 
Yeah. So the, yes, the team was in. They supported me the whole way, and um, they were they were upset that it was going this far, and I was being taken away from them, which I totally understand. And they wanted me to just go along with the school district. And I said, I can't do that. You know, this is the right thing to do. And just because this is going to be uncomfortable for me and it was going to cause me some pain and you guys caused um, some pain, it, it, this is absolutely worth fighting for and it's the right thing to do. They wanted to go as far as taking their helmets off after the, the pledge or the uh, national anthem and walk off the field. And I was like, whoa, whoa, guys, shoot. this is my fight. Your fight is out there on the football field. So I, I kind of talked them off the cliff, off the edge there. And I said, your job is to go out there and play football games until there's nothing left on the clock. This is my fight. But I stayed in contact with them. They supported me the whole time. We would still meet for lunches and dinners and after games. And I attended all the games. So they were very much involved and um, were very upset. So was a lot of people in the community. So yeah, it was it was kind of a big deal that uh, for, for everybody in, in Bremerton. And only thing I was doing is just encouraging people that hey, the court systems will work this out, but this is a fight worth fighting. And everybody was in agreement with that and just turned to God and started praying for it. Amen. Well, what coach, what advice? I think Kimberly had a second thing there was, what advice would you have to other uh, coaches or, or, or teachers or faculty, you know, in our public schools out there that are are believers and, and they want to, uh, you know, express their faith in some way and uh, are worried about, uh, you know, coming up against some of these folks who want to push God out of the schools. Right. Uh, number one thing is that the law is on our side and the Constitution is on our side. And I know that doesn't give everybody the warm, fuzzy feeling, but there's tons of groups out there that will help um, defend your rights as, as an American. Uh, the First, First Liberty uh, Institute, uh, ADF, there's a million of them out there that are willing to step up and and answer any questions that you have. If you're ever in doubt of what anything is in the way that laws and what you can and cannot do, go to their websites and and they have a whole bunch of uh, kits that will tell you what you can and cannot do. And I've always said to everybody, and, and this is just a, a fact of, of life, that if you wanna be an American and you wanna be a Christian, well, it's not a spectator sport and you need to get your butts off the couch and actually participate in it. So if you need help with that, Hey, I'm a coach. I will help you do that. And I would do anything I can to help people stand up for what they believe in and do doing what's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. So I want to just kind of back, back up what you're saying. Uh, on our website, truthandliberty.net, I've taken some of the links from ADF, First Liberty, Liberty Council, some of these other organizations and made them available to our viewers. Just go on truthandliberty.net slash resources and you can find some of those. And if you can't find what you need, just go to those organizations directly uh, and uh, look on their websites. There's, they, I know that they've got like handbooks for parents in schools, handbook for teachers in schools, what you can and can't do and this kind of stuff. So I'm so glad that you connected with Kelly and uh, one of those organizations. Kim, thank you for your question. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, I'd like to go next to David, who's calling in from Massachusetts. Um, David looks like he's got a Bible question here, Coach. So let's see what David wants to know. Thanks for calling in, David. Yes, I, I, I have a, a question. It's yes, uh, quite some time puzzled me, and I, I looked here or there. I uh, asked this and that person. Uh, anyway, it comes from John. 
Uh, the Gospel of John, 653, right through around 656. And I'm just going to run the, the lines off. It won't take much, much long at all. Uh, 653, so Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And I think maybe one more. Uh, no, I'll, I'll just end it at, at that point. Uh, so that is my question. All right, David. Well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate that. Coach, do you want to tackle that one, or you want me to do it? I'm not even familiar with that Bible verse, and I, I hate to say it. I'm not a great Christian, man. I fail every day, and oh. I, I suffer badly on that, and that's why I rely on people like you to help me get through these things when I have questions. Well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm a great Christian, uh, I, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. And uh, I, in fact, I was just studying John chapter 6 the other day, David, because um, I'm going to be teaching uh, in my ministry about um, uh, Jesus is the bread of life. He said there in that chapter that he is the bread of life. And um, he, he compared himself to the manna that the Israelites ate in the wilderness when God sent the bread, what they thought was bread from heaven. And, but he clearly uh, was indicating that that was physical bread and Jesus is spiritual bread. And his bread produces eternal life. The bread that we eat in the physical realm only produces biological life for a limited amount of time. But if we will consume Jesus, if we'll eat Jesus, metaphorically speaking, uh, eternal life will come to us. And he even said there in John 6 that you will never hunger. And so the, the Lord obviously did not mean, now to us it's obvious now or it should be, that he, he didn't mean we have to literally be cannibals and eat his body. Uh, if that were true, then no one would be saved because no one ate his, his actual body. Um, he, he's saying that when we believe in him, when we believe in Jesus as the Son of God and as the Savior of the world, if we believe that, that He is the sinless Son of God and He died on the cross for our sins and that God raised Him from the dead and that He is Lord of all, we confess Him with our mouth uh, as Lord, believe in our heart that, that uh, God raised Him from the dead, as it says in Romans chapter 10, then we will be saved. We will have eaten that eternal, that bread of heaven that God has provided for all people. And so the Lord, by saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he is using a metaphor there. And part of it is a, it's a little bit of uh, covenant language, David. Um, so in ancient times, people, when they would want to enter into a sacred, solemn agreement that could not be broken, they would enter into what's called a blood covenant. And they would uh, take an animal, usually a cow or maybe a sheep or a goat uh, or something like that, and they would sacrifice that animal. And then they would, uh, they would the, basically they're taking an oath that I will fulfill my part of this bargain, you'll fulfill your part of the bargain, and if either one of us fails to fulfill it, then it means death for us. And so this blood oath, Jesus was saying that God, uh, he is, there is a new covenant that he ushered in for all of mankind. Um, and the new covenant was made in his blood. He already died because of our failure to fulfill our part of the bargain, you see. And Jesus said, my blood is going to wash away your sins. My life 
for your life uh, so that you can have eternal life and live with me forever. Now, that's the best bargain I ever heard of. And um, uh, David, I just want to ask you, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you taken him up on this bargain that he's offered to all of us? Uh, well, oh yes, uh, a long time ago. I, I think reading around in, in that area, right, and now that I think of it, I, I think I read somewhere where uh, he said, my, my words are truth and my words are spirit. Yes. I think it was around that area, but I'm not sure. So now it is. it's uh, basically it's a spiritual thing, I, I guess. But the, the thing that sort of amazed me as I read it, you know, all the followers, and I guess he had many, uh, many of them broke away at that point, you know, almost coming to the same meaning that I, I seem to have read myself when I, when I read the, uh, when I read the verse. Yeah, that's right. So, so, um, uh, his, uh, some of the people that were following him thought he meant it literally. And obviously they were like stunned by that thinking, how can we eat your blood or eat your flesh and drink your blood? And, um, and, and, you know, the Lord didn't shy away from it, did he? He, he, he turned to his own disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? And they said to him at the end of the chapter, I believe it is, um, the, uh, let's see. Um, then said Jesus unto the 12, this is verse 67, will you also go away? Jesus, uh, then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe that thou and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus did say that his words are the words of eternal life. And it says that in some other places, too, uh, David. So, um, you know, we, uh, we commemorate Christ's sacrifice with what we call the Last Supper, uh, where we do take communion in church. Now, today in our little kind of antiseptic church services, we take a little tiny cracker and a little tiny cup of uh, grape juice. But, you know, when Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, he had a cup of wine and, uh, and uh, some um, uh, bread there uh, that, uh, you know, was, uh, didn't have leaven in it, unleavened bread. And, and there he said, take and eat for this is my body and this is my blood. And so when we, and he said, do this in remembrance of me again, he's not saying this bread is his actual skin and bones or this, uh, wine is blood. They're symbolic of the flesh and blood that we eat and drink spiritually when we make Jesus Christ Lord of our life and we put our faith in him. So, uh, uh, anyway, that's my understanding of it all, David. I hope that helps you. David, are you still with us? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in, sir. We really appreciate the question. Very good. All right. God bless. Okay, you too. Okay, folks. So um, we are here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with Coach Joe Kennedy of Bremerton School District in the state of Washington. And we've been hearing his story about how he stood for religious liberty and faith, uh, a battle that went all the way to the United States Supreme Court and resulted in a decision that, uh, as, as you said, Joe, it, it really kind of sets the clocks back to where they, they used to be and restores, I think, freedom and common sense to all of us in this whole area of school prayer and kids in school and what we can and can't do, not just the students, but the, the, the teachers and faculty too. So, um, so Coach, when you, uh, when the, the court ruled in your favor, um, I, I take it you went back uh, to work. Um, is that true? And how did that all go for you? 
Yeah, that's where things got really crazy because they did not um, uh, abide by that at first, and it took them uh, quite a while. It took them until this uh, this spring before they actually reinstated me. And so they reinstated me, I think it was about March, uh, February or March, and I was there at the school district to receive that letter and to start my paperwork and to get everything ready to go for the upcoming season. Unfortunately, I was met with nothing but red tape for uh, the entire spring training, and I didn't get a step on the field once. But I did meet with the head coach, and we, we had a mutual understanding that neither one of us we're here under ideal, uh, you know, um, ideal, uh, um, yeah, circumstances, uh, right? circumstances, but, uh, I was going to be his coach. And, uh, long as I fell under, uh, him and his authority, there wouldn't be a problem. And that's what we did. And I showed up for a fall camp and that's where, uh, yeah, things really started was at the fall camp that this uh, summer, and I got to work out with the team and get them ready for the first game that happened, uh, I think it was 1 September. Yeah, and so uh, the, the decision came down in June or so, I guess, and something like that, and then you, you finally got to go on. The, were you able to take the field with the team uh, in September? Yes, I was. I was on, on the field. I... Uh, I did have a role, which was basically to stay away from everybody. And <laughs> I took that job very seriously and <laughs> I scouted the other team and I, I just uh, helped out where I could, made sure the guys got water. I, I just wanted to be part of it and see what they could do out there. And after the game, the game was so good that everybody forgot about me. And that's what was an absolute blessing that God absolutely just made it a perfect night and Everything went according to plan, and I was able to take a knee after the football game without any incident. Wow, praise the Lord. Was there any kind of, when uh, in your community, was there any kind of celebration, or did you have any kind of gathering with the, with the people of your town or your church or whatever, and uh, how did all that go? I did meet with uh, one group of, of uh, um, women that uh, they, they just couldn't understand why I, I wasn't speaking out more in, in our hometown. And I think everybody was afraid to have me come and speak in the town. They didn't know how to approach me at that point. Hmm. And even though everybody was on my side, it was really uh, interesting. But I did uh, start addressing people there. And I, I wish I could address my team about everything that was happening and the parents, but the school district wouldn't give me that opportunity. So I just kept my head down and, and, and focused on the kids and getting them ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, and so uh, um, we're gonna take a break now here and we'll be right back where, um, with Coach Joe Kennedy of Bremerton School District. I wanna remind you guys, uh, before we go to this break, to pick up a copy of Coach Joe's book. It's called Average Joe. And uh, you can find that wherever books are sold. Starting tomorrow is the release date, or you can go on his website at coachjoekennedy.com. All right, guys, and so now we're gonna take a little break, share some info with you, and we'll be right back after that with Joe Kennedy. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. 
stop looking at this word as someday. We gotta look at it, it is for now. And the Spirit of God that created the universe, don't you think is big enough to teach you, to show you how to do things? See, it's when you say amen to the promises. This is mine, it's today, it's not 15 years from now, it's today. It's when you say amen that you start to glorify God. Love will give you the courage you need to do what you think you don't dare to do. Stop thinking that one day when I am super spiritual or when I have the money I need or no, start doing what he called you to do right now with the strength you have. So Father, we let your exceeding, immeasurable thought process, power and nature, we say yes to that today. All right, everybody, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live Calling Show. It's just my real special privilege today to be able to be talking with Coach Joe Kennedy um, of, uh, uh, you know, the Praying Joe, as, as we came to be, be known, and uh, hearing his whole story in detail now um, of his stand for faith in Bremerton uh, School District up in the great state of Washington. And it's been awesome, but we're not done yet. We've still got uh, callers on the line and uh, you can still call in too. We've got time left in the program today. I wanted to remind you of our number. It's 719-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you on just about Coach Joe's story or any, any Bible question or anything like that that you'd like to ask today. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Coach, uh, before we uh, go back to callers, um, so you went back to work for the school district you as an assistant coach you're praying on the field after the games again uh, but I'm it's my understanding now that you've decided the Lord has led you on to other pursuits so can you just share with us uh, how you made that decision what you're doing these days yeah and the only thing I can say is thank God I've finally been released from that because this has been the longest fight and uh, you know my, my whole thing since the very beginning it's really been Second um, Timothy 4-7 of, of fighting the good fight, finishing the race, and remaining faithful. And it was to the point where um, my wife and I never thought we would get back to that 50-yard line. And when we did, then we said, God, what is next? Because, I mean, after eight years of fighting, we were tired. We didn't want to fight anymore. Eight years. The school district wasn't happy that we were there. And so we had some some really frank conversations with the Lord and said, God, you got to give us something and help us out in what is next for our life. I bought a one-way ticket to Bremerton. I thought I was going to be coaching the whole entire season. And I, I wish I could say it was great. The kids were great, but the school district obviously didn't want me and, you know, made it tough for me, which I expected. I knew that was going to happen. But um, so I went to practice on, so we had the game on Friday. On Monday, I went to football practice. And Tuesday, we got uh, test results back from my father-in-law who lives down here in Pensacola, Florida. And it was a clear sign that God was calling us home to to take care of him and be with him the rest of his days. So well, that's what we did uh, on Wednesday morning. Uh, we we drafted a letter of resignation. We didn't tell my lawyers. We didn't tell my publicist. And wow. everybody got very, very upset over it because I didn't tell anybody. But this was the decision that my wife and I and God made solely upon ourselves. And it was the first decision that we've been able to do so in the past eight years, which was really uplifting and, and felt very freeing for us. How does your wife feel now uh, about the stand that you took? Eight years is a long time. Uh, to be under that kind of stress. So I'm sure she's relieved and happy, 
But does she does she agree with you now that you did the right thing? Yeah, it, it, I would say probably probably for the first year she could not understand why I was doing what I was doing and why I had this fight was so important to me. And just telling her this is what God's called me to do, and also you know the Marine in me especially saying you know that this isn't right and the Constitution is important and the First Amendments of people need to be stood up for. She couldn't understand why I had such passion for those things. And it was actually, we got a, right at our breaking point, we thought we were going to get divorced over this. And I mean, we were fighting so much and God came through right at the 11th hour, 59 minutes and 59 seconds. I was on my way walking out of the house to take a break from each other because I was hurting her so much. And uh, the guys that did Facing the Giants, Alex Kendrick sent me a video of encouragement right at that moment. So another coincidence and my wife and I sat there and we cried our eyes out and she finally understood that really this was God and this was a hundred percent him and that I was just doing what I was called to do and I tell you our roots and our foundation have never been stronger and it just solidified our faith in the Lord and that you know when they say two become one we we became one again and we are inseparable because of it wow that is so awesome um um, Coach, do you, do you have anything to say to married couples that are watching right now that are going through hard times? Um, any advice for them? Yeah, I, I, I know it's terrible and I know it sucks to be in those positions of, of where you feel like there's no way out and you feel like you're at the bottom. And that's when we really need to press in into each other and press into God and he will get you through it. It's, it's the enemy that tries to divide us and he's done a good job of it. And if we just work past those things and see what's on the other side and just really rely on God to get us through this, he absolutely will. And it, it takes a lot of, of strength on both sides and it's not easy, but let me tell you, it is a hundred percent worth it. I mean, just so worth it. There's nothing stronger than a marriage that has been repaired. Just like a scar, that, that area is stronger than it ever has been before. You still wear the scar, but let me tell you, that is stronger than ever before. And that's the way your marriage will be if you just see it through to the other side. Well, Coach, we, I don't know your wife. Uh, maybe we'll meet her someday, but please tell her thank you on behalf of Truth and Liberty and Andrew Womack and uh, all of our uh, followers here uh, for her sacrifice. And um, we, we really do. I mean, I, I really mean this when I say it, that I think Americans have no idea how big the, the Kennedy versus Bremerton School District case is, that it will have shockwaves over time throughout our nation that, we're on, that will only be good as it will open the door for the Lord to work in our schools and in our government and in our public life in ways that we haven't seen in a long time. So I just want your wife to know how grateful we are. And even though she may not have realized the legal importance of what was happening at the time, she needs to know now that it was a landmark event in the history of our country. So we really do appreciate it. So um, having said that, I'm going to get emotional if I don't stop. Let's go to our next <laughs> caller, Sarah from the great state of Texas. And I also can't believe, Sarah, that I just said Texas was great. I'm an Okie, so that's oh, hard you for nailed me to it. do. <laughs> One of my cameramen is giving me a hook'em horn sign. This is getting bad. Sarah, what's your question? Uh, yes, uh, Richard, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I do. Okay, 
yes. My question is, oh, where in the New Testament does it say about Halloween activities that the, some of the churches put on uh, for people, children and adults as well? And uh, that's my question. They even have spooky stuff. Yes, uh, they do. And you have... Um You've hit on a controversial subject here, Sarah, but I'm not one to shy away from controversy, so I'm going to give you my opinion here. Um, so the Bible says, uh, uh, hold on a second, let me find the verse. I'm sure glad that she asked you that question. And not me. <laughs> so I, there are many verses, Sarah, that I could go to. Um, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for just a second here. Joe, I'm sorry I butted in right here and started answering this one. Do you want to do this or? or no, uh, not a I chance. I am punching to you. That's a handoff to you, my friend. Okay. Um, so the Bible says um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is a demon god. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, and as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then, you know, Sarah, we we could go to um, the 365 verses in the Bible that command us not to fear. Um, everything about Halloween is designed to cause people to fear. That's what it's all about, fright. And, uh, and the Bible says that Satan is the spirit of fear and that we have not been, 1 Timothy 1, 7, we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. So why on earth would the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is love, who casteth out all fear, hold celebrations that cause people to fear? Uh, it makes no sense at all um, that glorify and honor darkness and evil and death and wickedness. Now, churches will say this. They'll say, well, it's we're not celebrating fear. We're just having a fall festival. And I say to the church, yeah, but what day are you doing it on? And they'll say Halloween. And then I'll say, and um, why did you choose Halloween? Right. Well, because we want to give Christians an alternative. Why do we need an alternative to a day of fear and devil worship? Let's just have no part to do with this wickedness and let's glorify Jesus as Jesus. Uh, if you're going to do it, why, do you, why are you having kids wear costumes just like the heathen do? It, I tell you, it glorifies the devil, not God. And I think that we ought to be stronger than that. We ought to be braver than that. We ought to be able to have the courage to say to our people and to our families, yeah, we know that we don't celebrate this. It's up to you whether you celebrate it, but we're not going to do it as a church in any shape, manner, or form whatsoever. And uh, we'll have our, if you want to have a fall festival, fine, have it on some other night and make it a true fall festival for families, but don't do it on Halloween. Uh, that's my view of it. And certainly anybody who dresses up in skin costumes and does, you know, witches and devils and things like that and gives candy to children to celebrate the day is participating. That's my humble view. Now, there is a little bit of room for disagreement in this. Uh, it's not, you know, I don't want to break a church apart over it, but that's my view of it, Sarah. So, Sarah, I hope that answers your question. It does. I had some scriptures also, but I just did not know how to put it in words, being kind to mm -hmm. um, 
someone when I talked to them about it. Yeah, and and I might have been a little more forceful than you want to be, but that that's how I view it. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, here's what I'll tell you something. My family, my wife and I, we've never celebrated Halloween from the day we got married. We made that choice, and uh, we raised our kids without celebrating it. So our kids have gone through every Halloween. Um, you know, their friends, not all of them, some of their friends will go out and get to trick or treat. But we taught them about why we didn't do it. And we shared the Bible with them. We said this holiday is about fear. God's not about fear, so we're not going to be a part of it. And they're fine with that. We would have games at home or whatever. We'd have movie night, whatever at home, but we wouldn't have anything to do with Halloween. And then here's what we would do, though. We'd go to Walmart uh, the day after Halloween and buy their candy at 50%, 75% off, and then our kids would get a treat. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah, thanks for calling in. Um, hey, next, I want to go to another caller, uh, Coach, if that's okay. Did you want to say anything yeah. about that before I move on? No, I got nothing. That wasn't my fight, and I'm glad you articulated that so well. All right, brother. Well, Lorraine, Lorraine, also from the great state of Colorado, is calling in. Lorraine, what can we do, uh, answer for you today? Yes, hi. Good afternoon. I'm from Texas, really. I okay. A month, I came here a month ago to go to uh, Caris Bible College, but I wasn't able to because of finance. So me and my two kids were kind of homeless for a while, knocking about. So I end up in the ER because I'm high rheumatoid arthritis. I'm in a wheelchair. And I went in there, and I told him what I had and what I need and everything. And they were nice to me until I, the doctor came in and asked me, where you go, where, what college you go in? I said, oh, Bible college. I was going to Andrew place there. And the guy stopped treating me. He, didn't, he just stopped treating me. He wouldn't do anything for me, and he just sent me home. And I want to know what to do about that. Um, yeah, Lorraine, that's an incredible uh, story. Uh, so he wouldn't treat you because you attended Karis Bible College? Lorraine, did I understand that right? Yes, yes. He would. I told him what I need because I'm a nurse and I know when I go into crisis what I take, steroids and all the things. And I say, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why he didn't give me an IV. He didn't do anything. He just gave me um, 60 milligrams a uh, 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 thing, which I take prednisone 10, and he just gave me 60. I was in so much pain because you're not supposed to take that much medication by mouth. And then he said, uh, you don't have any infection. And he sent me, I said, go home. And I went home and I was in so much pain. So one day I said, on the next day, I went to another place and I told the, it was a nurse practitioner what I had. She did a test on me and she said what I had was correct. I had a horrible bladder infection and she gave me antibiotics. But the guy wouldn't treat me when he heard that I was going to college. And it's so wrong. And I want to know, what should I do about that? Well, Lorraine, I would just, I would recommend that you, um, uh, reach out to wherever that doctor was practicing and, you know, if it was at an actual hospital and that you ask to speak to someone there about that situation and let them know that you are, um, that's what happened. And, uh, and then, um, you know, according to the scripture, if our brother offends us, we should go to our brother. Um, and if your brother repents, then we forgive him and we move on. Uh, so if you can get a, a satisfactory apology or explanation of some kind from them, uh, then you can let that go. But if you feel in your heart that you've been wronged legally and it's not set right, then I would encourage you to find an attorney and uh, let them look at the case and give you advice on that, okay? So, um, and I uh, appreciate you calling in though. It's a great question and I'm sorry that that happened to you. We'll be praying for you though. So much. All right. Thank yes, ma'am. So 
You betcha, okay. you betcha. All right, guys, so this is Truth and Liberty Live Calling Show. We have about 15 minutes left in our program today. I want you to know the phone lines are open. And so if you have a question for Coach Joe, we'd love to hear from you, 719-619-2341. And so, Coach, uh, thanks for hanging with us all this uh, time during the show. I want to ask you just a few more questions about your experience, yeah. if you've still got some energy there. Uh, Absolutely. The, <laughs> well, um, what I want to know is, were you shocked when all this happened? I mean, you were you like, this is America. How can this be happening to me? Yeah, you know, um, being in the Marines, I, I guess I was um, ignorant to what was happening in society. We, we're so focused on upholding the Constitution and defending uh, all Americans. We never really looked at it if our rights were being infringed upon. We were just out there on the front lines protecting them. And when you find out that it, you know, the 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 First Amendment, Second Amendment are under attack, and you hear about all these horrible things that are happening here in the United States, I, you know, I I get angry. I I'll tell you that I, I've been trying to make peace with that, and you know, we're supposed to be forgiving people, but you know, there's certain things that that I just cannot let go by. God made a, a warrior spirit in me, and like David and and all his guys, that. I, you know, I'm very concerned for our country and we need to turn to God. And if we're not doing that, how in the heck are we ever going to turn our country around? And man, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have God and, and you know, the background of, of being in the military where I learned how to fight and to stand up for what is right. So, yeah, man, I tell you, it's, it's crazy, crazy times we're living in, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the Marine Corps service part of this is fascinating to me, Joe, because it's like, okay, you you spend, you know, half your uh, working life uh, serving the United States in the Marine Corps. Probably, I'm sure you had some overseas deployments during that time. And you come back here and you think, okay, I've done my duty. I've served my country. I'm going to retire, take it easy, do something I really enjoy, whatever. I'm going to serve these kids. And all of a sudden, boom, you are back in the fight. This time, though, it's a little bit of a different fight. How did that feel to you? Was it like, well, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. You thought maybe you were ready for something easier and softer than the Marine Corps. Uh, but what was that? Was this easier than the Marines or harder or two totally different? No, things, this you know? was actually, yeah, this was, well, getting used I, when I, when I, uh, retired from the Marine Corps, I didn't have a single gray hair and I started working with civilians. And let me tell you, it is a lot different, uh, in the Marines, you could always choke somebody here. Yeah. I think it's frowned upon. So we don't, uh, we have a different set of rules for society and, yeah, I, I really was just amazed that um, when we take our oath of enlistment and we're supposed to support and defend the Constitution um, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, I never once thought in my entire lifetime it would be domestic. And I never thought I would be fighting for my rights and Americans' rights as a civilian after I got out of the Marine Corps. So it, it was an honor to do this. Now that I look back, even though I, I really hated every bit of it and wish um, nobody ever had to would go through this. I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy. I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through this. I'm just glad that I was the one that could actually, you know, be that be that nail that was sticking up where people could hammer and and stand up for every American so that they didn't have to take those shots. Yeah. Well, you know, praise God for for you, brother, and for that. You know the. 
Um, a true Marine never runs from a fight, right? And, um, yeah. and that's, that's what we saw in you. So that's incredible. Um, it really, really is. And so you said something too earlier that made me think of this. If, if, you, if we don't have freedom of religion in our country, if we lose that, then what's gonna to happen to all our other rights? I mean, if we think that our other rights are gonna be secure without freedom of religion, I, I think it's a, I think we're deluding ourselves, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. What do you think about that? Oh, we absolutely are. And I never really put it into, into such eloquent words, but if you take a look at the, the founding fathers, when, the, when we take a look at the First Amend Amendment, we look at the Constitution and the rights, that are given to us by God. They're not given us by, by man. But when they wrote those down, it's the First Amendment. And it's the reason it's the First Amendment, because if you don't have that foundation, just like in the church, if you don't have a strong foundation, everything else falls. So you think of the amendments like a domino. If the first one falls, so does the second and the third. And it, where does it stop? And we can see that that thing's been tipping over and, and spilling over into every part of our society right now. So we need to be standing firm and vigilant on this and being able to stand up for our rights, no matter which amendment it is, and understand what the Constitution says. So if you have not got that, I'm sure you guys got a link to that on, on your website. But yes, people, sir. I encourage people to read that and understand where our rights come from. Yeah, the Declaration of Independence, which even comes before the Constitution, says that uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And Thomas Jefferson, if you go to the Thomas Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C., you see these words, giant words on the side of his memorial that say that he trembles for his country if they should ever forget that their rights come from God. And so if they can take prayer away, if they can forbid us from, from public expressions of faith, um, you know, these rights have no foundation. If we're not going to honor God, then these rights are not going to be secure. So once again, thank you for your, for your stand. I, I, I think, um, uh, you know, I, I, we haven't talked about politics at all yet on this show, but I do want to ask you something. From your experience, Joe, how... Uh, you, how important is it that Christians vote in school board elections to make sure that we have people on our school boards that understand our American heritage, understand uh, freedoms, and, and stand up for, you know, the, for a solid education for our students? Now, I'll even take it a step further and be involved in your own kids' lives. We could start in our own homes. There's so many broken families that are out there right now, and people are doing the best that they can as, as single parents. But, you know, to all the dads out there, you need to be involved in your kid's life no matter where they're at or what your situation is. And it starts at home. So if you start out on your knees and, and turn to God there and in prayer with your family, be involved with your kids and know what they're being taught. Be interested in what's going on in their schools. Just from the, the simple aspect of it, are they even being taught in education about history? Are they learning math? Are they learning the simple things that we're, our taxpaying money is, is for? And then taking the next step, I'd say go to your church and be involved in your church. I've seen too many churches that have shied away of politics because they're afraid of whatever reason. I, I That's one I, I'm still dumbfounded on is that church, our church um, congregations are afraid to take on some of these things that are happening in the world. That's where we're supposed to learn where does this line up with the Bible and right. we're supposed to lean on each other's strengths. And then, like you said, 
then it starts out in your community. Are you involved in the school board? Are you involved in the school to find out what they're teaching? Are this, uh, how are the unions? How are all these things pl applying? Who's really in control of our schools and making these deci decisions? And then you go to your local town and then you just go up from there. If you're not involved, then you're part of the problem. And that's why we are in, in the shape we are as a nation is because people have gotten kind of complacent and, and have relied other people to take on this fight. If you're not voting and you're not active in it, then it, there, we have nobody else to blame except ourselves. Oh, well, that was awesome. So well said. Um, all right, well, we've got a caller on the line. Um, and uh, I'm going to take that one uh, in just a second. But we've also got um, a question coming in online that I wanted to uh, pitch to you, Joe. And that uh, that question is, did the and if you if you don't want to answer this, I understand. But did the school pay all of Coach Joe Kennedy's salary in arrears for the eight years of being without a job? No, that is that is a really great question. And I don't shy. I'm like you. I don't shy away from anything. And I, I believe in truth and honesty and everything. The only thing I asked for uh, from the courts was uh, to have summary judgment on if I'm if I could be a coach again and to be able to pray after a football game. Those are the only two things I asked for. I didn't ask for back pay. I didn't ask for anything else. Now, the school district did, in fact, have to pay um, for lawyer fees, but we, we knocked that down from 6.9 million to 1.75 million. Wow. And I was really trying to get, and of course, I don't see a dime of that, which is really unfortunate. I thought you know, maybe a little cream off the top <laughs> would have been nice, but yeah, no, that, that goes to the lawyers. I don't see a nickel of that. And um, I, I really wanted the school district to, um, to do a joint letter of saying, hey, we're looking forward to Coach Kennedy's return and that we're going to be looking forward to this upcoming football season. Something very simple, something mutual, and the school absolutely refused to go through with that with me. Mm, that's sad that they couldn't rise to that occasion and show show some maturity and leadership there. But uh, yeah. all right, well, thank you for answering that. Um, and let, next, let's go to Frank from Missouri who's calling in. Um, uh, Frank, thanks for calling. What's your question today? Well, yeah, thank God for you guys. Thank God for the uh, Marine Corps and Army. And I, I wouldn't be on the planet if it wasn't for a few uh, Marine Corps brothers. Uh, and uh, and I just want to, you know, I've been listening pretty much all, all through this. I just, you know, I want to know how, how do you translate that, that this uh, this natural war that's uh, we have to have these militaries and all that into this into the spiritual war that we we really are in and really this the battle it is our our problem and it is our uh, yeah. yeah yeah so Frank you're you're asking if I understand it right you're asking like. Um, how do you do you see any parallels between uh, military conflict, real you know physical war, and the war that you went through? Is there any way you know what lessons can we draw from that? Um, is what I'm hearing yeah. Frank asks. Yep. Go ahead, Coach. 
Yeah, I would say that, yeah, this is everything stems from we, we see where the enemy is actually attacking us. And one of the great things about America is we always have stood up for what is right and what we believe in. And it's been based upon our faith. Our whole entire nation has been about that. So we take a look around what's happening in the world in Israel and Ukraine and everything else. Well, we don't even have to look that far. We can see right now, even in our hometowns, and just the way that people are here in the United States, so divided over so many things, the left from the right, the conservative versus the liberal. All it is is the enemy trying to divide us and separate us. And he's such a punk that he just laughs at every single second of this. And I don't give him any glory for it whatsoever. He doesn't he doesn't rule in my life. And if I could if I can serve in any way, shape, or form like I did in the military to uphold the rights of all Americans and to defend them, even their spirituality, man, that's what we are called to do. And uh, some things are absolutely worth going to war for. And I think our freedom is one of them. Yeah. Oh, boy. Powerful. Very well said. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Frank, for calling in. We appreciate your question today. Um, and guys, I just want to um, wrap this up. I think I'm I'm good for for now, Joe. I want to give you an opportunity to make any closing remarks uh, that you might have, although I think you pretty much just did. And uh, we really appreciate. Oh, let's put his book back up uh, one more time. Everybody, uh, you really need to get a copy of this. I'm going to. It's called Average Joe, and uh, you can get a copy at CoachJoeKennedy.com. It'll be officially out tomorrow. So check. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, other places like that. Uh, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of copies of this one purchased. And um, we also are looking forward to seeing that movie, uh, Coach, whenever that comes out. So that'll be that'll be amazing. Sometimes um, uh, reality, you know, is stranger than fiction. So uh, I think it's going to be <laughs> awesome. But uh, let me also give a shout out here to Kelly Shackelford and his group there at First Liberty, uh, to all the attorneys out there who are fighting the fight for freedom uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, Liberty Council, um, uh, 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 Jay Seculo's organization, and many others out there, Pacific Justice Institute. All these attorneys are devoting their lives to fighting for freedom. I promise you most of them could make a whole lot more money serving in the private practice. Even though the Joe gave the attorney's fee award number out, um, most of their cases, they don't get work that they do, they don't get paid for. And so it's uh, it's awesome when they do get uh, a reward there. But, but guys, this religious freedom, standing up for what we believe in. This has got to be done. Even if we're standing alone, you got to know, like Joe, that there's a whole nation behind you. The whole, the whole body of Christ is praying for you. And uh, whatever you're facing today, be bold because Jesus needs you to be in that fight uh, so that we don't lose these precious liberties that were purchased with the blood and lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans over the course of our nation. And you know, if America goes down, if we're no longer the land of the free, the whole world goes down because the world looks to us for freedom. And we have got to restore that understanding and that freedom in our country today uh, so that the world can uh, uh, still see freedom today. And, and I think the I think the tide is turning. I really do. I think there's an awakening happening. I think Americans are rising up, but we can't become complacent. We've got to get involved. We've got to get engaged. We've got to not just vote. We've got to get informed. We've got to volunteer. We've got to donate. We've got to talk in church. We've got to teach people the Bible, the Constitution. Whatever God calls you to do, do it. Coach Joe Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor. God bless you, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Amen, brother.
Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.